And I suppose connected to all these sorts of things, but not quite the same. And it is, I have to warn you in advance, uh, what we would call adult listenership, uh, adult talk radio. So if you have uh, little kids in the car or if you're at all prudish, uh, you may want to, for the next 45 minutes, go in and listen to, to something else. Uh, not that we're chasing you away from the station, but uh, uh, we're going to be dealing with slightly sensitive topics, but in a sensitive way. So... Uh, that is uh, the show for today, and I'm really looking forward to it because I think it's going to be super interesting and something which needs to be addressed and perhaps can be addressed in various interesting ways in the Jewish community. What I'm talking about, well, I'm very pleased to have on the show today Rabbi and founder of Better Together, Rabbi Natan Alexander. And Better Together is a website which is devoted to kosher sex um, or or kosher sex toys i'm not sure exactly so really the title of the show today should be uh, making kosher sex great again that's uh, i think what we're going to be calling it uh natan thank you so much for coming on the show it's a pleasure benji thank you so much for having me and thank you for being so willing to talk about a subject that not enough people talk about uh it's, it's important to get out there as i'm sure we'll discuss so thank you to you for the opportunity well, you know, I guess it's one of those things, you know what they say, it does not that practice makes perfect, it's practice that makes permanent. So I hope if people are, are, are practicing, then they should know how uh, how to, to, to do it. So, uh, Rabbi, I'd love to, first of all, you know, uh, get your perspective on your journey. I suppose people initially don't put uh, rabbi and sex therapist in the same uh, group. I know from your bio that you, you dealt with... Uh, you were a shaliach for a time. You, you've done a number of different things. How did you end up starting a kosher sex shop? <laughs> it's a very good question, Benji. A very good question. I don't know. I've always felt that I was born in the wrong generation. I should have been born in the generation of chalotzim, of pioneers uh, that were draining swamps in the land of Israel. Um, so I've always had this burning desire to do what other people are not willing to do. Speak about what other people are not willing to speak about. Um, and even as a teacher uh, in Australia, South Africa, and Israel, uh, very often I tried to put myself out there beyond my comfort zone uh, to talk to the kids that no one was talking to, to relate to them in a way that no one was willing to relate to them. And so I think this is just an extension of that journey. And... I mean, that's absolutely fascinating. I think uh, certainly I can see how that's an extension. But where did the specific idea come from to actually found uh, such an organization such as this this website that you run? Okay, so uh, at a certain time of uh, being a rabbi, um, I started to realize with counseling uh, young married couples 
um, dealing with certain situations in schools, that sex is a subject that is not spoken enough about, is not open uh, enough within the Jewish community. There is so many misunderstandings, uh, not only like forget Torah, forget biblical based sex, right? There is so much misunderstanding about sex in the world, and even more so, I would say, uh, in certain areas of the Jewish community. Uh, and I saw that, number one, when it came to uh, dealing with young married couples, you know, me as a rabbi, uh, as well as my own experiences with my wife, uh, and beyond that, the sex education within schools. Uh, I saw a major lacking there. So... I um, I actually spoke to a sex therapist. I'm not a sex therapist. I was trained in psychotherapy in Australia. I'm not a sex therapist. I send people if there is a need to sex therapists. And thank God we work with some of the best sex therapists in the world. Uh, Rabbi David Ribner, Tali Rosenbaum, uh, Ariella Perry. I don't know if you know any of these names, but these are highly, highly um, respected sex therapists. Anyway, I spoke to a sex therapist. And I said to them, you know, sex isn't being spoken enough uh, about, especially in the Jewish community. And this sex therapist specifically deals with religious couples. When I say religious, I'm talking about Christian, Muslim, Jewish, all of that. Um, and I said to him, you know, why don't we do something educational with a religious mindset? Because let me give you an example, Benji. Can I give you an example? By all means, by all means. All right. As long as the kids are out of the car and not listening once again. I, th I think they might have brought the kids into the car just to check, you know, make sure the adults are, are, are getting it right. Well, it's really important because there's this, there's this difficult balance between being modest, being tsanua, and talking about sexuality in a modest way, and at the same time being honest and open. And so that's really the balance that I'm trying to create. So let me give you an example of... Um, you know, things that are not necessarily spoken about uh, in the religious community that I, you know, went on a mission to speak about. For example, our website, BeBetterTogether.com, www.BeBetterTogether.com. We started or I started and founded that website because there are a lot of married couples, religious and not religious, who are very interested in being creative in their sex lives. It may be a young married couple who has heard different things or uh, experienced different things before they got married and want to excite things a little bit more. And it may be down the line, people who have been married for a few years, and let's be real, even sex can get boring. Right, And there is nothing in the Torah about being uh, against being creative and using certain sex toys. So it was time to go out there and say, hey, if you've been married for 10, 15, 20 years or whatever it is, and you want to fire things up in your bedroom, but at the same time you're religious and you want to be modest about this, well, you're not going to want to go on a website and see all this disgusting, vulgar nudity of some other person in order to buy a vibrator uh, for you and your wife, right? So we created this website because there's nothing halachically, Jewishly wrong with helping your wife have an orgasm. In fact, you're meant to help your wife have an orgasm. 
but there is something wrong with going on a website and seeing other people naked leading you to pornography and all other things. So that's one of the issues that I decided to, uh, with the blessing of my wife, put my name out there and be the rabbi who's willing to do this. Yeah, it certainly is uh, an interesting uh, perspective on, on these sorts of things. Uh, besides the nudity and the pornography and those sorts of things that you've been speaking about, is there anything else that makes the website, quote-unquote, more kosher than, than uh, your average sex toy website? Yeah, okay, so I would say there are two uh, major areas. Number one is we don't have any, um, any products um, that help a man masturbate, right? There are a whole lot of products out there um, that help a man masturbate. Uh, that's halachically against the rulings. Um, although there are exceptions, but I'm not going to get into that over live radio. That's an individual case thing, right? But we don't have anything there that would help a man, you know, emit semen and, and waste his semen. Um the second thing, which I think is even more important, is let's be real out here. The sex industry, whether it is pornography or whether it's sex toys or whatever it is, most people who are running those sites don't care about you. They don't care about your love life. They don't care about uh, you thinking about another woman or man while being with your husband or wife. They just want to make a sale. Okay, we pride ourselves on the fact that our entire intent, and you can see it in our name, it's called Better Together. We want to improve the sex life and therefore also very often the emotional connection between husband and wife, people who are committed to each other. So we truly believe that we've got your best, um, interests in mind. In fact, there are people who, you know, say on our website, hey, I want to do this and that. Have you got this and that? And I'll say to them, how long have you been married? And they'll say a very short time. And I'll say, hey, you know what? I don't think this is for you. We're not here to make the sale. We're here to improve the love life, the sex life of people who are committed to each other. It's very uh, interesting, and I, I suppose a perspective that you don't see very often uh, with the with the sex industry. Let's take a step back a bit from the website itself. I, mean, I think uh, okay. maybe people tend to maybe associate religion not with sex, uh, or mm. or you know seem to see it as uh, one, two, three, done over, not being involved with the partner, etc. So, as a as a rabbi speaking from a halakhic opinion. What would you say the general overview is of Judaism towards sex as an act uh, and, a, and a practice, if you like? It is very good. <laughs> the, according to halacha, according to biblical lore, sex between husband and wife is one of the, one of, not the most important, but one of the most important parts of your relationship. Why do I say that? Because, you know, I can hear listeners go, that's so shallow, you know, where the rabbi should be talking about emotions and communication and all that type of stuff. So the truth is, if your emotions are not in tune with each other, your communication is lacking with each other, then you could have a great orgasm, but it doesn't mean that your love life, your sex life is great. I can tell you, 
number one, from experience, and number two, from counseling people, the more connected you are spiritually and emotionally to your spouse, the better your sex life is. That doesn't mean that committed people may uh, may not have uh, issues like premature ejaculation or the inability to orgasm or things like that, but it means when you're so in love and emotionally connected to each other, you have the patience and the communication skills to work through those things. The Torah is so, um, what's the word, so committed to helping us have healthy sex lives with our spouse. Um, that the truth is, halacha allows almost anything between a husband and wife as long as it is consensual. That's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. And you'll have many rabbis who don't like me, don't like me making such statements. But the Rambam is very clear on it. The Shulchan Aruch is very clear on it. That most things, I'm not saying everything, most things are absolutely fine and positive between husband and wife as long as they're consensual and full of love. So perhaps let's talk a little bit about some of the myths around Jewish sex for a moment. Uh, there's the classic one about the, the, the hole in the sheet, right? Uh, uh, that, that, that every, that's like the, the classic one. But I imagine that there are a number of things that perhaps uh, there's the sort of the rabbi's top ten misconceptions. What, what would you say some of those are that you've encountered in your time? That's very interesting. First of all, the hole in the sheet is actually halachically unacceptable. Uh, halacha talks about being fully naked with your partner. Uh, the, you know, the hole in the sheet about having nothing touch except for that which you absolutely need to have sex is halachically just not okay. That's, that, that's number one to answer that question. Um, what are the other misconceptions? Um, that one, that, that having sex is only in order to have children. Uh, that is a great misconception, uh, and I can prove it wrong halachically right now. Um, that would mean that once someone has gone through menopause, if your wife is pregnant, uh, you wouldn't be allowed to have sex halachically, and that's not true, right? Uh, sex, according to the Torah, uh, has two main reasons. One is to be fruitful and multiply 100%, but beyond that, it is a, a, a place of peace, a place of love, a place of expression between husband and wife. So that misconception of you can only have sex in order to have children, my opinion is totally halachically unsound. Um, one of the most interesting uh, misconceptions, or I would say places of different opinion, is around oral sex. Once again, please take your children away. Um, uh, there's, there are differing opinions in certain communities, and I'm not here to attack any of those communities, but there are differing opinions about whether one is allowed to, uh, to perform oral sex for their wife. Um, for the husband, it's acceptable, obviously, as long as he doesn't finish uh, outside, although there are also uh, rabbis that would say that that's okay as long as it's uh, not with the intent of Onan. Onan was a man who in, uh, intentionally 
pulled out of his wife in order not to uh, procreate. But that's a whole other side point. Let's go to to more more clarity. There's uh, differences within the community about whether you're allowed to perform oral sex to your wife. Uh, that's a very difficult um, question to answer because it really depends on what community you come from. But let me just say like this. It's a known fact that over 70% of women are not able to orgasm solely through penetrable intercourse. In other words, just by having sex, uh, over 70% of women are not able to orgasm. So if you want your wife to be uh, happy uh, in that area, if that's important to her and you, uh, you can kind of understand my opinion from what I've said. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM, chaifm.com, or on the Jerusalem Post podcast. This is the New Blue Review. I'm Benji Shulman, and we are talking to Rav Natan Alexander about sex. He is uh, the sex rabbi, the kosher sex rabbi, I guess you could call him. And uh, we are devoting this particular show to making kosher sex great again. Stay relevant and up to date. This is one hundred one point nine High FM. Rav Natan, let's quick have a, a, a halachic discussion around this because uh, I am would by no means uh, well versed in the halacha of this, but I have read the Shulchan Aruch and I have read uh, some of the Rambam that you cited, and it would seem to me that the opinions that you're bringing are somehow more lenient. Certainly, from what I'm hearing from you, the, the Shulchan Aruch certainly seems to be more severe in its approach. It talks about uh, kind of very restricted positions when it comes to sex and uh, that sort of thing. Whereas from what I understand, the Ramban uh, even considered the opinion that perhaps premarital sex might be considered legitimate by, by Jewish law. So how do you deal with the balance or, or, the, or, the, or the spectrum rather uh, within Jewish community uh, around uh, what halacha you engage with when it comes to advising people on, on sexual practice. Okay, so the way that I deal with it is like this. I don't have to be anybody's rabbi. Um, you know, I respect all rabbis' opinions as long as they're learned opinions. Uh, the opinions that I'm sprouting come also from from many great rabbis that I've learned with. Some of them are willing to be named, some are not willing to be named, and I really don't want to go into that because that's not what this is about. Um, but the point is, you don't have to take my opinion. This is my limited understanding uh, of halakha, and uh, if you choose uh, to take that opinion, then that's great. I just want to pick up on one point. When you say they're lenient opinions, so... It depends what you're being lenient about. I, I feel, and, and you know, the world is so plagued, so plagued with pain around sexuality. And what I'm talking about is it's, it's almost impossible to turn on your internet, to drive down the road, to listen to the radio, whatever it is, without having sex shoved in your face and a whole lot of Tavot. Uh, uh, I can't remember how to how to translate Tavot, but like you know, pulls from all different directions away Temptations. from your spouse, away from your loved one. So in fact, I don't believe that I'm being lenient when it comes to halacha with sex. I believe that I'm being machmir. I am being very um, strict around shalom bayit, peace in your home and helping you connect and stay connected 
in the deepest of ways with your spouse. That's my opinion. Okay, so one of the things that you do besides the sort of the sex toys on the website is counsel uh, a lot of couples, right? Uh, people who yeah. are, are, are struggling with things or learning. Talk to us a little bit about that process and how you find it to engage with, with, with couples around this topic. So it's not only around sexuality. In fact, most of uh, the couples that come to me uh, come through a different website, RavnathanAlexander.com, which talks about relationships based on the Bible's understanding, um, uh, communication, family vision, leadership, the role of a husband and wife, uh, humility, all different concepts that come from the Bible and teach us how to be good husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, uh, you know, parents and children. Uh, so very often, the presenting factor uh, is not sexuality. Uh, it very often gets onto that discussion, but it's so important to, to know that, you know, I am not just focused on sexuality. There's so much more that makes up a healthy relationship between husband and wife and anyone else that you interact with. Um, so, yeah, as I say, uh, people come through those two websites uh, for all different for all different reasons around their relationships. Um, in fact, most people that come to the BeBetterTogether.com site uh, only ask questions about sexuality, and the other site, RavnathanAlexander.com, mainly only ask relationship uh, questions. As I say, sometimes we then get on to sexual issues that are happening for them, uh, but that's not necessarily the presenting factor. Now, what I find quite fascinating, uh, we were chatting before the show, and you said to me that, uh, you know, you're really presenting a biblical view, if you like, of of sex and how it should function in a relationship, and and as you say, relationships from a biblical view generally. So, obviously, you're a rabbi, and so you engage Jewishly with these sorts of things, but you actually have quite a wide clientele of other religions as well. Yep, 100%. Yeah, I... Uh, I interact with a whole lot of different people. Um, you know, I, I thank God for the way that I was brought up by my mother and father, and that is to love and respect everyone, um, and to love when people want knowledge. Uh, and so, yeah, there, there are there's a quite a big Christian community that I interact with on an ongoing basis, every day, almost every hour or two. Uh, that are pining to understand from a biblical aspect uh, around relationships, uh, advice around relationships and around sexuality. And I'm, I even dare to say that some of those people are even more committed to biblical understandings of relationships than the Jewish community. That's the truth. Now, it's interesting for me. I mean, is this a significant difference, would you say, in the way that uh, Christians uh, approach sex or perhaps the kind of questions that you get from Christian couples versus uh, your, your Jewish couples? It's a really awesome question, a really awesome question, and I'm, I'm worried to generalize over here, and I don't want to offend anybody. Uh, but with, <laughs> with that introduction, um, unfortunately, uh, many Christians... Uh, and obviously, you know, there's many different uh, modes of Christianity. But many Christians come to me with the understanding or, or the education 
uh, of fear around their body uh, and around sexuality, that they've been taught that it's dirty, uh, it's maybe even evil to an extent, uh, those passions that come to us uh, and those, those, those sexual yearnings uh, that are very, very natural. Um, and, you know, my, my background from the Jewish um, understanding of that is we may stay away from it because we're worried whether it's modest to talk about, but there's not a fear of our body being disgusting, especially, you know, if you take a more Hasidic approach, which is my background, and, uh, you know, an understanding that um, our body is a vehicle for our soul, then both of them need to work together rather than fight each other in order to do good in the world. In other words, the sexual drive is actually a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. It's a very positive thing that was given to us, in my understanding, by God in order to procreate, in order to continue on uh, our people and the rest of the world. The struggle is, what are the boundaries of that when we live in a society that opens our eyes uh, to a whole lot of different options that are not biblically acceptable? Um, yeah, that's pretty much uh, one of the major differences. Um, I'll, I'll give you one more example. For example, uh, according to my understanding of, of uh, what I've been told by many Christian clients, female masturbation is something that is evil and, and it's, um, uh, you know, bowing to your, to your physical needs. Whereas my understanding of halakha is, we say it's a maaseh mitzrayim, it's, it's not a Jewish thing to do, but it's not, you know, brought down as an evil, disgusting thing to do. Um, yeah, that's uh, some of the differences that I've seen. So let's talk a little bit then on the Jewish side of things. I mean, we send young boys and girls to yeshivas and seminaries, uh, partly for them to learn halacha and for them to understand the practices. But basically, these places, from my understanding, are designed to create uh, the basic components of good Jews that can live, uh, you know, a, a religious, observant Jewish life. So, from your perspective, perhaps dealing in this field, uh, and you know, maybe whatever experience you may have had, how would you say our yeshivas and our Jewish schools and our education centers in general are dealing with this topic, and, and are they doing a good job? Brilliant question, Benji. Absolutely brilliant question because. My background is in, in education. For 17 years, I was uh, either in front of a classroom or um, the head of Jewish study. You know, I've been involved in education for, for quite a while. And the truth is, Benji, unfortunately, I think a lot of the problems start there. Uh, I think that there are two uh, polar uh, experiences that are happening for our youth around education and sexuality in the religious world. Um well, yeah. One is in, in maybe the less religious Jewish schools, uh, there's kind of an openness that we need to be so openly educating about sexuality uh, that it's just like the rest of the world. In other words, halacha, uh, Jewish law and the biblical uh, understanding of it has almost no place because we need to, in inverted commas, prepare our children for the real world. Um, 
And so just to give, you know, an example, uh, you know, uh, physical education teachers uh, may turn around in a less religious school and say, yeah, you know, uh, masturbation for, for boys is a real natural thing. And guys, you really shouldn't worry about it. It's not a problem. You know, go for it. You know, it's, it's good to practice as well. Um, so there's like that polar. On the other end, you have a lot of religious schools uh, that won't even discuss it. You know, guys and girls who are wanting to turn to their rabbis, turn to their rebbitsons, uh, and say, hey, what about the feeling that, uh, you know, uh, I want to masturbate? What should I do with that feeling? Because I heard halacha says no. Or everyone's got girlfriends and boyfriends. Do you think that that's okay in our religious world? How would I handle that if I did that? So on one side, we've got a major openness. On the other side, we have a major closeness. And I think that that also extends very often to the teachers of brides and grooms. Uh, I'm sure many listeners know that in the religious world, uh, a bride and groom, before they get married, uh, they go and, and have classes discussing family purity, the mikvah, uh, and all those types of things. And unfortunately, uh, for many years, and I think that there's a major change happening now, and that's part of the wave that we're uh, a part of and creating, and that is how open those teachers are about the reality of sex uh, when you're married. Um, yeah, so, but I mean, I have an idea, by the way. If anyone wants to fund a, an educational website that will help teachers uh, or schools and parents partner in sex education with our children. I've got the plan. I've got the business plan. I've got the educational material. I just need help to do it. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, just do it uh, with Alexander. Um, <laughs> I don't know that's going to be the, 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 the promotional line. Uh, I mean, you, you talk about closeness in the, in, in the religious community, and I mean... I, this is is entirely, I would say, speculation from what I've heard. But uh, you know, th- there are p- examples that I've heard where people are just who get into marriage. You were talking about the cause, and actually have no conception about what sex is at all. Uh, you know, just the basic biology of it, and the, the you know the textbooks that are being used are are, are sort of cut out of the the curriculum. It, would you say that that's a, a, a legitimate reality? Yeah, it's definitely a, a legitimate reality. Um, there, there are some teachers, as I say, the bride and groom teachers who who would shun at showing a husband or wife to be a diagram of their spouse to be's genitals to uh, know what <laughs> what what turns a woman on, what helps a man or woman be turned on, what to do when it doesn't work. Uh, those things that are unfortunately. Uh, not discussed in many places. Don't get me wrong, there are some schools that are doing it right, there are some rabbis and rabbitsons that are doing it right, uh, but the vast majority need to wake up and understand that uh, you need to discuss with the bride and groom before uh, how to create an environment of communication around sexuality. How is your wife going to tell you that you didn't please her? How is your husband going to tell you that he try, he, he'd like to try a different position? How are you going to do that and not think that each other are vulgar or, or, or something negative in, in life? 
uh, in your sexual relationship. Yeah, certainly. I think what's also interesting is on the other side, there are sort of innovations coming through, uh, even within the sort of the religious uh, structure, so, to make those sorts of conversations easier. Talk to us a little bit. I know that there's uh, moves underfoot to create religious positions that are not rabbis, uh, but are particularly woman positions uh, yeah. that can then help uh, if, if a woman is having a uncomfortableness uh, talking to a rabbi, then this is one way to solve it. Yeah, this is a brilliant, brilliant move that's happening. The position in the community is called a yo'etet halacha. Uh, it's, it's a woman who has been highly trained when it comes to uh, specifically uh, laws around family purity. Uh, and it's, it's such an amazing move that's happening because it means that when a woman is having a, a certain issue around sexuality, around her period, around the mikvah, anything that's private, she doesn't have to go to a rabbi or she doesn't have to not go to someone because she's so embarrassed to talk to the rabbi. She can go to a yoetet halacha and they can be open and speak in a modest way without you know, worrying that this rabbi may be judging her or God forbid looking at her in a way that he shouldn't be looking at her. Uh, and so this yoetet halacha, uh, I would highly recommend if, if Listeners don't know about it. Ask your community leaders who your who your your etet halacha is in the community, because uh, it's a very powerful and important thing that's happening. The other move that that's happening is, for example, uh, I started a podcast. We've slowed it down a little bit. We got thousands of listeners. The podcast is called Boys Club. B O I Y Z Club. Uh, you can find it on SoundCloud. And a friend of mine, Danny Brill, uh, another Aussie, and I, uh, for quite a few months, did podcasts, uh, both including sex therapists and just by ourselves, talking about sexual issues. Uh, and I think the more that it's spoken about, the more people that are open about speaking about these things, the easier it's going to become for the religious and the non-religious communities to deal with the realities uh, of our generation and sexuality. You're listening to 101.9 HiFM. I am Benji Shulman. And if you're listening to us on HiFM.com or on the Jerusalem Post, welcome to the show. This is the new Blue Review, your favorite Jewish news and politics podcast and show. And we're speaking to Rav Natan Alexander about uh, kosher sex and what it means and what it means in the 21st century. Stay relevant and up to date. This is 101.9 High FM. I'm interested in also, you know, what happens to you when people come to you with a problem? Uh, You've spoken about masturbation. You've spoken about porn. These things do invade the lives of people all the time. Uh, It's almost impossible, I would say, to avoid on the Internet in some way, shape or form, even if it's just someone who shares something on social media or or something like that. Uh, Do you often have to deal with sort of some of the problems of the secular world that have invaded people's relationships? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I'll give you you an example of some of the examples of what pornography has done to the world. And let's be real over here. I don't know the exact percentages, but most of the listeners plus many people who, you know, who we would deem as very religious 
have also seen pornography, whether it's through a magazine or online or on their phone or on the phone that their wife or husband doesn't know that they have. Uh, there are all, all sorts of stories. Let me just give some examples of misconceptions and a lot of pain that's created through you know, seeing some of those things, especially when you don't have a communicative relationship with your spouse. Number one conception is, um, or sorry, not conception, perception, uh, is that women orgasm straight away, all the time, easily. Okay, as I said before, over 70% of women do not orgasm just through penetrable sex. Uh, pornography doesn't teach us that. Pornography teaches us that any man, any size, whatever he does, whenever he does it, is absolutely great for that person that he's with. That's the first misconception that is very, very dangerous because it either leads the woman to fake orgasms and never be honest with her husband or for the husband to be totally disappointed every time that he's not able to please his wife or, even worse, for the wife to believe that the husband's doesn't know what he's doing because he always does the same thing and it's never good for her. That's percep that, that, that's misconception number one. Uh, misconception number two, men can last for 45 minutes because that's as long as the porn lasts for or however long the video is. Most men do not last that long without finishing. So that misconception uh, creates... Huh. so many issues for men believing that they are not manly enough because they haven't lasted for 20 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it is, in whatever position it is. Um, it creates a misconception for women who have seen pornography and ca can't understand why their husband can't last that long uh, to give them an orgasm. Uh, those are two main things. Uh, I'll give you an example. A, a person was in touch with me from a religious community, um, and they said to me, uh, their husband doesn't last long enough. So I said to them, what's long enough? So they said, well, with the spray, and I'll explain that in a second, he lasts about, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes. So I said, hold on a second, well, what spray? The listeners might know. There are certain sprays that can help a man last longer. It deadens the feeling uh, of the man so that he lasts longer, right? Now, there are a whole lot of issues with that that I've been told by sex therapists. Number one, uh, if that spray rubs off on your wife, it also delays her. So it's delaying you and her. And as we know, women take longer to orgasm. So that totally mucks up the whole process you're trying to do. Um, so I said to this woman, wow, like 15, 20 minutes, that, that's, that's pretty good. What about without the spray? Oh, you know, seven to ten minutes, I said, do you know that that is the perception of how long a man should last has all been created by pornography in Hollywood movies? There's no such thing. There are men that last four seconds, three seconds. They are men who need to go to a sex therapist. They are couples who need to go to a sex therapist and deal with it. But if your husband is lasting seven to ten minutes inside, that's amazing. That's really great. So that's a misconception that could only have been created by this religious person seeing Hollywood films and pornography. 
Now, I have a bit of a, a curveball to maybe ask you. Uh, polygamy, for example, has been banned in Ashkenazi communities, certainly for thousands of years, and maybe more recently uh, in the Sephardic community. Uh, yes. I do understand it is practiced sometimes uh, under certain circumstances in the Jewish community. Have you ever had to deal with a polygamous couple before? No. Okay, <laughs> the so answer is no. Uh, there is a case that I don't want to discuss o- o- online, but I am definitely not a, uh, a wise enough rabbi uh, to make such decisions. So if something like that came to me, I would be sending them to a rabbi far wiser than I. <laughs> Well, I, I sorry just, to kill your curveball. Well, you know, I just thought I, I had to ask, right? Uh, you, you never know with these sorts of things. Uh, so, for people who are, are interested in, in 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 these things, I mean, what would you say a basic approach is? Uh, you you've listened to this podcast, maybe you've gone on the website. Uh, you're not sure about certain aspects of your own sex life. How would you encourage someone to start thinking actively about how they engage in, in these sorts of things? Uh, can you define these sorts of things? Well, you know, if, uh, whether you may, perhaps you're concerned about your, your 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 partner in some way that you're not, uh, you know, maybe that you're not performing or you are performing or you want to increase communication. Uh, what kind of, what's your first step? What's your first port of call? I think your first port of call is to be self-aware. Uh, before you start talking to your spouse about, um, not reaching your desires or having an issue or a, a worry about your sex life. I think that it's important in life in general to be self-aware. Understand for yourself. Take the time to ask yourself the questions. What is it that is truly troubling you? Uh, you know, are you are you upset or frustrated at something to do with your sex life because of a past relationship, because of a misconception? that has, uh, you know, been given to you because of a lack of education. Because when talking about sex with one's spouse, there's something that happens, especially when it comes to something that is not reaching one's expectations. There's a whole lot of self-judgment that happens. And so before you bring anything up with your spouse on this, make sure that you truly understand for yourself where this issue is coming from. Then once you know you're being honest with yourself, make sure to create the environment around communication. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not something that you want to, you know, SMS during the day. Hey, sweetie, I've been meaning to talk to you about wanting to watch pornography. Uh, you know, or, uh, hey, darling, uh, sex really sucked for the past 12 years. I'm leaving you. Uh, <laughs> you know, or something like, it's, you've got to think this through. Uh, communication uh, has to start with creating the right environment. Make sure the kids are in bed. Uh, make sure that you have private space. Make sure you have the time to discuss these things. The worst thing is to get into a deep discussion like this and go, oh, sorry, got to go, got a meeting in five minutes, or, you know, got to go, our, be- our favorite series is on. Let me just go and record it. You know, make sure that you have the headspace, the time. And that you've thought through how you're going to communicate this issue with your spouse without making them feel judged. That that's the first thing that I would uh, that I would propose for someone who uh, you know wants to start. Maybe is interested in this because uh, we're coming up to the end of the show. Uh, who? What would you say? 
uh, to someone, where can they find you? What are the websites? You mentioned the podcast. What kind of stuff is out there uh, that people can use as resources to maybe help them on this journey? Awesome. Awesome. So, Benji, first, before I do that, I want to make it clear that these websites and all the discussions we're having are not only for people who are having issues, in inverted commas. You know, sex needs to continue to improve. Communication around sex needs to continue to improve. No matter how good it is, no matter how passionate it is, it's like a big, uh, I think that it's a big problem for people to go, oh, well, only people who have sex issues should be uh, talking to a therapist or asking themselves these questions or looking to buy a sex toy. It's not only people who, as I say in inverted commas, have issues or problems. This is something that we should be striving for to improve on and be dynamic with because our bodies and our minds change during our marriage and our life cycle. So be open to this, whether you have a a so-called issue or things are great and you just want them to be greater. Uh, So that's just a point that I think is really, really important. Okay, and uh, so so having said that, where would you where would you go? What's what are the the details of people who want to contact you? Okay, perfect. So if you want to contact me, you can always contact me through ravnathanalexander.com, Especially, uh, you know, if it's a personal issue that you want to discuss uh, around relationships, uh, counseling with your spouse, so on and so forth. If it's something to do with sex toys, uh, a specifically sexual question, you can email us at bebettertogether.com, B-E, better, the number two, gether.com, and we uh, receive or I receive those questions. If I can answer it, I will answer it. If I can't, I'll send it on to a sex therapist, one of the many sex therapists or rabbis that we uh, work with that could answer it uh, better than me. Uh, so those are the two websites that you could uh, look at. I also have a YouTube uh, that's about to be launched. I can let you know about that. And obviously the podcast, Boys Club, B-O-I-Y-Z Club. Uh, you can take a look at that. We talk about a whole lot of issues around sexuality and uh, relationships and talk in a very, very open uh, but modest manner. Uh, yeah, uh, I really just strongly propose... Number one, create an environment of communication with your spouse around everything in your life. That's number one. Number two, start to think about, if you haven't already, how you're going to communicate sexuality uh, in an age-appropriate way to your children because they are affected from the moment they're born and some believe even from the moment, moment that you create them. Um, they start to uh, be educated in beliefs around their own body, around sexuality, around who their spouse should be, how they should be treated, and how they treat their spouse. So be open to it, uh, to communicating with your children on an age-appropriate level. I also do run webinars on all of these issues. Well, Rav Natan Alexander, thank you so much for being with us on the New Blue Review and for making Kosher Sex great again. It's a pleasure, Benji. Thank you very, very much for having me. It was an honor, and uh, thanks for being open and uh, willing to educate. 
Well, indeed, and if you are interested in being open and uh, willing to communicate, please let me know what you thought of the show. Uh, you can email me on Benji, B-N-J-I, at chai.co.za, or tweet us at chai.fm or at Benji underscore Shulman. We always like to take your comments and uh, criticisms. So, uh, yeah, brings us to the end of the show, and we will see you next week on the new Blue Review.